0: Welcome, Nexus Church family, to our online message in this series that we are in called Jesus. In this three weeks, we are simply looking at the end of Jesus's life through the book of Mark. And in it, we will be taking a look at how Jesus redeemed us. We'll be looking in particular at his his preparation to how he was ending his time with his followers to his arrival to the cross and what that means to us today and ultimately to the punishment of our sins. But the great thing is about Jesus, of course, on Easter Sunday morning, we will celebrate the reality that Jesus, in fact, is not dead in the grave. He just didn't take the punishment for our sins. He rose from the grave, grave conquered our sin, and now is in the f- presence of the Father waiting for us, welcoming us into his family. So we're so excited that you joined us for this series. And if you have any more questions or if you would like to find out more about our church, you can Google Nexus Church, of course. But If you want to find us on Facebook, you can just type in Nexus Church Thief River Falls or go to NexusChurchMN.com and you will see us there as well for all the information you need and we would love to connect with you. Welcome back to our second week in our three-week series as we take a look at the life of Jesus and we examine the implications it has for us today. Well, last week we we investigated a a very powerful encounter Jesus had with Mary and Judas. They both had an opportunity to respond to Jesus as he approached the end of his time on earth. Mary responded appropriately, Judas, of course, not so much. You see, one of them had the response of, preparation for what God was about to do. The other one wanted to hold on to this, this illusion of what this world meant to them. And so today we're going to take the next step in this process of Jesus' final days on earth as we welcome in this week of remembering the sacrifice of Jesus. Now, if you're listening to this at another time, we are on Palm Sunday, and we will be reading from a a very popular passage that we read on Palm Sunday. And, And this particular one is out of Mark chapter 11, and we'll be reading verses 1 through 11. And this is just simply Jesus' arrival to Jerusalem. Right, This is where Jesus would be sacrificed. This is where he'd be hung on the cross and and put into the tomb and raised raised from the dead three days later. And today we're just going to look at Jesus' approach and how people responded. And then we will apply it to our own life. What does that mean for us today? You see, for those of us who have experienced and encountered God's love and, and put Him as Lord of our life, there's only one response that we should have to this Savior of ours, and that is a spirit of worship, a spirit of praise, a spirit of giving to God honor and glory to Him. That is a life that is given to Him in thankfulness for His life so that we could be with Him for all of eternity. And so if you would, turn to Mark chapter 11, we'll be reading it together, and then we'll investigate a little bit more what other scriptures have to say about Jesus' arrival on this day when he goes into Jerusalem. So Mark 11 verse 1 says, When they approached Jerusalem at Bethpage and Bethany, near Mount of Olives, He sent two of his disciples and told them, go into the village ahead of you. As soon as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it and will send it back here right away. So they went and found a colt outside in the street tied by a door. They untied it, and some of those standing there said to them, What are you doing untying the colt? And they answered them, Just as Jesus said. So they let them go. They brought the colt to Jesus and threw their clothes on it, and he sat on it. Many people spread their clothes on the road, and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest of heaven. He went into Jerusalem and into the temple. And after looking around at everything, since it was already late, he went out to Bethany with the twelve. And so begins this final moment in the history of Jesus being on earth. What I found rather interesting before we go into this response of the crowd was, was the moments leading up to Jesus coming in. Right, the, the first thing we read of in this passage is these two men. Now, we don't know who they were, could have been any of the disciples, probably not Judas, of course, but one of the 11 disciples that Jesus spent so many years with were were told to go and borrow a colt. I don't know about you, but this had to be a really big test for them, right? They, they've seen Jesus do all these things, the miracles, the signs, the, the wonders. They saw him preach to multitudes and feed multitudes. And, and now comes the time where they were to respond in faith. I don't know about you, but, but just borrowing a friend's car is, is a leap of faith for me. Like, I struggle asking people for things that I know people I know and trust and have a relationship with you, but these guys go up to seemingly a stranger and ask for their animal for Jesus to ride on. It's crazy. That's great faith that these men have. And it, and it should be something that we find comfort in, that when we trust what God tells us to do, that, that He will work things out. He sent his spirit on ahead of him, in a sense, to prepare these guys. Because when they told them what was happening, they freely allowed them to take it without questioning. They just said, all right, that's good. There was a move of the spirit in this. But I also take note about the fact that Jesus sent two of them. This is very important. These two first points, before we even get into into the response of the crowd, are so crucial for us as Christians, as, as followers of Jesus. Because, first of all, it takes faith to do what God asks us to. Right? And the second one is, is there's power in community. There's power in this community. Jesus sent two out for strength for comfort, for wisdom. This wasn't the first time Jesus sent two out. We go back to Mark 6, verse 7, and we read that Jesus summoned the 12 and began to send them out in pairs and gave them authority over unclean spirits, and they did some pretty powerful things, right? And come back and later report to him all the things that the Spirit did. See, there is power in community and Jesus is not ashamed to send his people out in pairs. We are not called into isolation. This is why we believe the church is so important because there is power in community. We see this in the world today when, when there's an uprising, the more people there are, the more strength there is, the more, the more emphasis there is, the more, the more people can go the wrong direction, right? People who would have never done anything like rioting, all of a sudden are rioting because of the mob mentality, the crowd that's around them. Now, in a positive sense, when we have others with us, we have the strength to do things for God. That we want on our own. We need each other. We need the church community. There's power in it. There's comfort. There's peace. There's a sense of stability. We need each other. If you don't have a church family today, I implore you. I, I... I couldn't say this any more clear. I'm not asking you to come to Nexus Church and maybe move your whole family across the country, around the world, wherever you're watching from, or or leaving your church that you're currently at to come a part of our church. No, I'm just saying, find a church family. You need a church family to strengthen you, to comfort you, to bring you security, to protect you from from the attacks of the enemy. We we have such power when we come together and his presence fills us. You need each other. Well, a scene doesn't end there, right? Like like those two two points can stand on their own and we could preach from that today, but that's not what this passage is all about. This passage is about the response of the people. The people were absolutely ecstatic for Jesus to be entering Jerusalem. Now though they, they still had this, this sense that, that Jesus was going to establish his kingdom on earth and, and bring the, the heavenly reign down to earth, they may have been a little bit confused, but they, they were getting the main, the main understanding that Jesus was in fact God. Now, he was sent from the Father. They, they were seemingly getting the truth. They were just getting a little confused yet. And so Jesus arrives. He arrives and kind of comes in a very strange fashion. You see, in in, in this day, it was... And understanding that a ruler, a king, would ride in on a stallion like a, like a powerful horse coming in on the scene with all the people worshiping and praising him for the mighty victory that he just accomplished out on the battlefield, right? That, that's what a Roman soldier would receive as he comes back into his city. And Jesus, as he comes back into his city after going out and proclaiming this good news of the gospel that, that, that was about to come, Upon the people of Israel, he comes back to his city as the ruler on a colt, on a donkey, showing this, this peace, this calmness. Not this authoritative, kingly, uh, bow down to me kind of ruler. No, he, he, he had strength, but a calm strength, a lowly servant like strength that came to serve and not be served and worshipped, at least in the earthly sense. He came on a unbroken donkey. You see, he came, and and, and these Israelites should have caught this. Because we we see this so clear in scripture, right? I want to take you to two passages today. The first is, is Psalm 118, verses 19 through 29. It, it, it spells it out right here in this passage. It says, Open the gates of righteousness for me. I will enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the Lord's gate. The righteous will enter into it. I will give thanks to you because you have answered me and have become my salvation. Pointing to Jesus, the Messiah, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This came from the Lord. It is wondrous in our sight. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in us. And then verse 25, now I want to point out to you before we read it that Hosanna means save us, save us now. It was a a plea to to come and, and so when we will read in Mark that they said Hosanna twice, it's really saying what we're about to read in Psalm 118 verse 25 where he says, Lord save us. Pointing to what they were saying, and they didn't even realize it. Lord, save us. Lord, please grant us success. He who comes in the name of the Lord is blessed. From the house of the Lord, we bless you. The Lord is God and has given us light. Bind The festival sacrifice with cords to the horns of the altar. You are my God and I will give you thanks. You are my God, I will exalt you. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His faithful love endures forever. This just so perfectly points to Jesus coming into Jerusalem and and people laying down their, their garments, laying down leaves from the palm trees and worshiping Hosanna. Blessed be the name of our Savior. Well, we also read in Zechariah 9, 9, even more clear, if you will, than Psalm 118. This is what it says. Rejoice, O people of Zion. Shout in triumph, O people of Jerusalem. Look, your king is coming to you. He is righteous and victorious, yet he is humble, riding on a donkey, riding on a donkey's colt. And the people shouted, Praise. Praise to the Holy God of Israel. It's a beautiful picture. And though Mark doesn't bring out this aspect, Luke, verse 19, verse 39 and 40, Luke 19, verses 39 and 40 give the response of a few the few who began would soon gain the multitudes in the opposite response than what they just had these same people that responded in hosanna blessed be the name we worship you we are bowing down to you we're laying our garments down for the animal to trample on it we're pulling leaves out and putting it on the ground. We're worshiping and welcoming our King of Israel. Would soon, in just a matter of days, turn on this man and join with the Pharisees in calling out, Crucify. But today they worship. And these men are calling out, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. What a cold response. First of all, they call him teacher. <sighs> not, not, not a very warm greeting. Teacher, rebuke, chastise, yell at them, correct them. They are blaspheming God. Reject them. But what does Jesus say in verse 40 of Luke 19? If they were to keep silent, the stones would cry out. Again, you can look back and and do a Google search if you want and just, just type in nature worshiping God. And you'll find verses where, especially in Psalms, where the heavens cry out, the oceans, the deep, the animals worship the king. You see, Jesus will be worshipped. It is the response of creation to worship the Creator. Let me tell you today, that is your response. For those who call on the name of Jesus, a proper response would be worship. You see, in a few short days on monday thursday and and on good not so good but good friday that would be the day of sorrow on saturday the silent day where nothing is written where it's silent and god has ceased to speak the savior is dead the pain the agony the the mockery the ridicule that was oozing out of Jerusalem, the the absolute most despicable and angry and demonic force that could ever be experienced, Satan with his demons just permeating Jerusalem. It was gone. It was silence. It was empty. All the energy, all the anger, all the emotion was gone. It was silent. There would be a day for sorrow. There would be a day for mourning. There would be a day for, in a sense, reflection. But today wasn't that day. Today was a day of worship. And a week from now, we'll be once again worshiping our King thanking Him for His resurrection. And so today, as we we begin this week of reflection of what God has done for us, there is a sense of sorrow. There is a sense of reflection that we must do. But if you call yourself a Christian today, if you have given your life to Jesus, the response that God is asking for you is will you lay your life out in worship to Him? Now, of course, that can be through songs. That can be through your prayer time and you thank Him. But in your actions, in your daily work, in your rest, your life is to be a reflection of praise and thanks to God. Worship your God. You see, I love Isaiah 12. This gives you a perfect example, a perfect layout of what a a proper reflection of what Jesus has done for us and how we should respond. Verse 1 of Isaiah 12 says, On that day you will say, I will give thanks to you, Lord, although you were angry with me, right? God in his anger. I just want to pause there for a moment. This, this is exactly what Romans 3.23 and Romans 6.23 talk about. We've all sinned. We've all made mistakes. And, and, and our, our, if you will, what we deserve, our consequence, is eternal punishment, eternal judgment for all of eternity. We should have received God's anger. But Jesus came and on the cross when he was hanging there and he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He's taking all the punishment that we deserve on the cross. And though you were angry with me, your anger has turned away and you have comforted me. Would you let the comfort of God fill you today, touch you? Indeed, God is my salvation. I will trust in him and not be afraid for the Lord. The Lord himself is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. You will joyfully draw water from the springs of salvation. And on that day, you will say, give thanks to the Lord. Proclaim his name. Your life reflects a praise to his name. Make his works known among the peoples. Declare that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord for he has done glorious things. Let it be known throughout the earth. Cry out and sing, citizens of Zion, for the Holy One of Israel is among you in his greatness. Your response today is living your life to him with thankfulness. Yes, I get it. The world around you is full of evil and and it would be awesome if he would take it all away. But if he did that, he would have to destroy every evil thing that there ever is or could be or would be or has been. And though that would be nice, that means... Death of many people that we're praying for him to save. You see, God's goodness is such that he wants all people to be saved and he is waiting for their will to, to accept his forgiveness, his salvation. And so though this world around us is full of evil and though we, we are amongst things that we would rather not be, we have to choose to be thankful for what He's done for us. And give Him thanks. Give Him worship. Louis Giglio put it this way. He said, worship is our response to what we value most. And as a result, worship fuels our actions, becoming the driving force of all we do today. Everything you do, will it reflect what you value most? And if you don't value your salvation, your eternity sealed in the hands of God in heaven, if that's not what you value most, I'm going to be rather blunt and ask you why. You see, this earthly time that we have is so short. Your salvation you're guaranteed of being in heaven in the perfect place that we long for earth to be, should be the greatest thing that you value most. And I pray that for those of you who haven't received that forgiveness, that salvation, my prayer is that you would do that today, that you would go to God and say, God, I need your forgiveness. I have done bad things. I, mean, I know that, that my mistakes causes me to be separated from you, and I need you to forgive me. I need Jesus to save me, and I'm going to live for him. I want to give my life for him to save and to redeem, to bring me to the place where I could be in that beautiful place called heaven. Will you do that today? And after you do that, after you say it in your own words, my my plea for you is that you would find a church home where you can connect, where you can be built up, where you can be strengthened, comforted, and equipped in every way you need to live your life for Jesus on earth. And so, Father, I pray for your people today that are listening. You created every single person, Father, and your heart for them is that they would come to a place where they give their life to you. I ask, Father, that you would be working on their heart right now so that they understand their need for Jesus and that they would, they would ask for that forgiveness and they would commit their life to living for you, that they would allow you to have full control of their hearts, their minds, their actions. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I thank you, Nexus Church family online, for joining us today, and we look forward to seeing you again next week.